You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Today is going to be a bit of a different Sunday than we uh, typically have here at Antioch. On a typical Sunday, when you come here, we're going to work through a section of Scripture together. Um, We, at the beginning of the year, worked through the book of Exodus. So we went chapter by chapter through the book of Exodus. After the book of Exodus, we went to Jesus' farewell discourse, which is found in John chapter 13 through John chapter 16. And we went verse by verse through that section of scripture. And we're taking a little bit of a break here. And just because of how timing worked out that we're going to spend some time on mental health and the gospel. But then in June and July and the 1st of August, we'll go back to our Summer in the Psalms series where we'll work through the next 10 sets of Psalms. Um, we are, the goal is over the next 15 years that we would work every summer through 10 Psalms. And by the end of 15 years, we'll do the whole book of Psalms together as a church family. And so 11 through 20 is what's up next. And so we'll work chapter by chapter through those Psalms. And then after that, we're looking at the gospel of Matthew and think it may be a good for us as a church just to work verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the gospel of Matthew, which will take a lot of time and we'll have to split it up because there's a lot of chapters in there, um, but it'll be a good study. So typically, if you're new to our church, that's how we work. Today is a special day, day though, because today is the 59th anniversary of our church family. Can we be excited about 59 years of God's faithfulness to our church family? We are so grateful for that. And so I wanted to take a minute today And yes, I'm going to get preachy at the middle of the sermon or the middle of our time together, but on the front end and the back end, here's how I'd like to help us frame our family talk today is how I'd like to picture it. You have family talks and usually family talks aren't good family talks, you know what I'm saying? But we've tried to in our family make family talks not always bad, that sometimes when we call a family meeting that it's like, hey, we've got some exciting news. So it's that kind of family meeting like, hey, we've got some exciting news, not depressing, you're in trouble kind of news today, all right? So let's think of it that way. But I want to frame it with these three questions. Where have we been? So I want us to look back today in our 59th anniversary and see where we've come from. Then I want to ask the question and answer, why do we exist? Because we can't know where we're going if we don't know why we exist. And then where are we headed? So I want to frame our time together around those questions. Where have we been? Why do we exist? And where are we headed? So I'm going to start with where we come from, where we have been. And I'm going to do some reading here because I want to get the names and the dates right. Um, But Antioch just didn't pop up 59 years ago, right? Um, God was at work and I want you to meet how, meet the people that God has worked to this end. The founding pastor of Antioch Bible Baptist Church 
was a man by the name of Joe Krieger. Brother Joe, as he was affectionately referred to, was a simple, humble man of God. Brother Joe was a carpenter by trade. Let me give you a little bit of his backstory. In 1950, Brother Joe's wife, Joanne, gave birth to their only child, Jimmy. This was a hard birth and resulted in complications of both Joanne and the baby. 23-year-old Joe Krieger cried out to God and said, God, if you let my wife and my son live, I will start going to church. God heard and answered that request. After their release from the hospital, Joe and Joanne Krieger, uh, with their son Jimmy, began to attend Kansas City Baptist Temple in Kansas City, Missouri. It is referred now, they've changed their name. They're known as Graceway Church. They're still there and doing a great work. It was soon thereafter that Joe and Joanne accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior and gave their lives to him. After giving his life to Christ, Brother Joe became active in the ministry of that local church, Kansas City Baptist Temple. He taught a Sunday school class and had a heart for evangelism. It was sometime later in the 1950s that God began to tug on his heart about full-time Christian service. We're not sure of the exact date or the circumstances, but it was a, a, a time in his life where he felt God was calling him into full-time service. And that led to the starting of Antioch Bible Baptist Church. The first meeting of Antioch Bible Baptist Church occurred on January the 1st, 1961 in the home of Brother Joe and Joanne. They lived at 5428 North Bales Terrace in Kansas City, Missouri. That first meeting was attended by 17 people. Within three months, they outgrew Brother Joe's living room and they moved to the community center at what used to be the Antioch Shopping Center on Antioch Road, where they remained for the next year. And this is a picture from that Antioch uh, community center meeting. While Antioch began in 1961, it did not officially organize as a Baptist church and a nonprofit organization according to the laws of the state of Missouri until April 28, 1963. This is the date that we officially refer to as our anniversary and why we would say today that it is the 59th anniversary of our church. By this time, the membership of the church had increased to 52 people. In June of 1963, four acres of land and a small white house were purchased at 800 Northeast 72nd Street, the site of our present facility. This was the site that they, they bought. After modifications were made, church services were held inside the house. The decision to build Antioch Bible Baptist Church at this location was a defining moment in the history of our church. Brother Joe and the people who made that decision said this, we believe that at this location, God will build his church. Aren't we grateful for the faith of those 51 people and Brother Joe that said, God's gonna build his church here. 
We are the benefits, the beneficiaries of that great faith. After they bought this, the vision for building the facilities for the glory of God began with the West Basement Building. So they built a basement and it was completed in October of 1965. And the church services were held in the basement while above the Sunday school classes were held in this White House. On March 20th, 1969, the first service were held in the newly constructed sanctuary atop the basement. So this is uh, the basement that, or this is, the basement's underneath there, this is the church building. And actually this is the same facilities that sits there today where the church offices are. So when you pull in and you see, uh, you see the church offices there, that's where we meet. The fun thing is if you go in to our offices and you open the doors where you can see all the way from the front to the back, you can see the stage that was there, right? There was a little up. And then the baptistry actually still sits in there. Bob goes and plays in the baptistry every once in a while back there because it's connected to his office and he, it's too heavy to move so he just goes and hangs out back in there. A little hot water, a little hot tub action, you know what I'm saying? He comes out relaxed, ready to go. New community pastor, sort of nice gig, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, no, but that, that's, that was uh, the first, uh, after they got rid of the, the house, that was the, the first church building. Eventually, uh, Brother Joe led the church in purchasing two and a half two and one half acres north of the church. It's where our north parking lot is located. Eventually the blessings of God led to the construction of the basement of the east building, which is what we refer to as Krieger Hall today. That was finished in December of 1975. And then the sanctuary being completed in December of, of 1976. So this was the new sanctuary right here. This is what we refer to today as Krieger Hall. So you can see the stairs. You, if you go out there, you'll see that today when you leave. Those are, those are the same stairs. But that was uh, what we refer to now as Krieger Hall. Pastor Bob led our church then to purchase property after he became the senior pastor uh, along North Harrison Street for parking lot expansion, as well as the building of a new multi-purpose worship center in 1997. And we sit in that worship center today. So Bob, thanks you for your vision to lead our church to buy land and to build this building as a means to expand the fame of Christ here in this location. And then in 2018, under the leadership of our senior pastor, Bob Bear, the Antioch Kids Center, our new Antioch Kids Center. It's not new anymore, I guess now it's, it's a few years old, but uh, our, our Kids Center four years ago was completed and we are grateful for that, aren't we, to have a place where our kids can go and encounter God and we're not spread out throughout all of creation in our church building here. It is impossible to speak about all the men who have served on the pastoral staff at Antioch in detail but their individual contributions to the history of Antioch are greatly appreciated. Though many in church today will not recognize the following names, I thought it would be wise and kind of us to mention and thank God for each of these men and their families who have played a part in our church history. Our past youth pastors include Whit Whitney McRae, Dennis Ebert, Bill Havens, Bill Petty, Scott Phillips, Larry Webb, Terry Wilkes, and Joel Marshall. Our past music ministers of music, or what we refer to as a worship pastor, include Kenny Thomas, Terry Wilkes, Brett Francis, and Brett Hunter. 
Dave Ruckel served as a children's pastor and Sean Barr served as our executive pastor and adult ministries pastor and Jim Collinsworth has served as our executive pastor. Our current pastoral staff consists of five pastors. The first pastor being Pastor Bob. In 1979, Bob Bear joined Antioch staff as the minister of music. And in 1992, he became the second pastor, senior pastor of Antioch, where he served for 30 years and is currently our community pastor. In April of 1999, God brought Todd Slagle to join our staff as our outreach pastor and is now our family pastor. In May of 2012, God led us to Marcus Mackey and he joined our staff as the student pastor. And in June of 2021, as uh, Clint Stevens joined the staff as our worship pastor. We are beyond grateful for the pastoral staff that God has blessed us with. Can we clap for all the pastors in our church? Thank you. Beyond our pastoral staff, we have a staff that spans from 40 plus years to just a few months here at Antioch. And I am so grateful for the staff that God has given to us. What you see happen on Antioch on a week to week basis would not happen without the people that answer the phone when you call in that answer your emails, that make sure numbers are taken care of, that make sure your address is right in our system, that make sure the money goes where it's supposed to go. And God has been so gracious to give us a great team here at Antioch. And I'm so honored to serve alongside them. One of the unique pieces of our past and present is that Antioch in its 59 years of ministry has only had three senior pastors in its history. When Pastor Joe, did I say something wrong there? Oh, everybody's laughing at, sorry, Bob. You, you look good, man. Okay, you look good. I'm thankful. That's funny that everybody laughed. I love you guys. That just, that endears you to my heart that you, you would find that funny. <laughs> Take it down right now. It's, it's better than me and Bob hugging, right, Miles? Am I right there? Better than me and Bob hugging on the screen. All right. So God has been kind to bless our church with the past present with three senior pastors. So in 1979 in June, Pastor Bob and Judy and their one-year-old son Nathan moved to Gladstone to assume the new responsibility as our music minister. Bob was 22 years old at that time and he was ordained to gospel ministry in 1982 and assumed the responsibility of this associate pastor role. As Brother Joe knew his time was coming and Bob has shared this story with me often. He took him to what, was it Denny's? We took him to Denny's, I think, about a month before his retirement said, Bob, I want you to be the next senior pastor at Antioch Bible Baptist Church. And they began that process. And in March of 1992, Brother Joe's last uh, job or last decision that he made was to install Pastor Bob as the next senior pastor of Antioch Bible Baptist Church. Yep. Six weeks 
after his retirement, God called Brother Joe home and uh, Bob has faithfully led our church for 30 years uh, as our senior pastor and did an excellent and great job. And in the last year, he has transitioned from being our senior pastor to being our community pastor. I cried a lot in the first service, so you guys are only getting just, I got some of it out. But by God's grace, I became the third senior pastor here at Antioch. So here's what I want to do. If you have been a part of Antioch for more than 10 years, would you please stand if you've been a part of Antioch for more than 10 years? Amen. Wow. Wow. Thank you for being a part of this family. Amen. Our, our pastor, stay standing. Don't sit down yet. Don't sit down yet. I got I to gotta do the whole years thing so we can see how old everybody is. But I want you to know as, as Bob's in the room today, I don't know if Todd or Marcus are in here. They're probably off doing uh, their job. <laughs> but... Uh, we just, it's humbling, isn't it, Bob, how people have been faithful here. Uh, we know as pastors, we don't have it all together for sure. We do some things right. We do a lot of things wrong. And the fact that you would be faithful to this family is huge. And, and I want to say thank you for your faithfulness to be a part of Antioch. So if you've been a part of Antioch for more than 20 years, if, you, if, you, if 20 years is your marker and you haven't been here for 20 years, sit down. So if 20 years and above, you've been a part of Antioch. Man, I thought more of you would sit down. <laughs> That's great. Look around you, church. This is, this is really special. If you've been a part of Antioch for less than 30 years, you can sit down. So more than 30 years, you've been a part of Antioch. Hmm. Yeah, thanks. Can I, can I say this to our church? And again, this is family talk today, okay? So this is Steve putting his heart on his shoulder here and just, I want you to look around. This is what we should aspire to as a church. Because all these people don't agree with everything that we've ever done. It always hasn't been roses here. There's been some thorns with these people, right? Not them in particular, but maybe <laughs> things that have gone on around them, right? but they've stayed faithful to this church family. Amen. And listen, I've only been here for 17 years, but when I look at you, it inspires me on days that I want to quit and be like, ah, I'm just not cut out. When I see you Sunday after Sunday sitting out here, it makes me want to stay in the game too. So thank you. If you've been a part of Antioch, for less than 40 years, sit down. So our church is 59 years old. 
So we're, we're dating some people here who's like, that person can't be 40. They're probably like 40 years old, right? Like, I'm sorry about that for those of you that are in your 40s that are still standing there like, oh, thanks. I'm with the old people, right? Like, I, I get it. Isn't this, isn't this incredible? Man, what a gift, yes. And then here's the really big one. This is one's gonna really identify a lot of people. But if you've been a part of Antioch for more than 50 years, would you stay standing? Amen. <laughs> Debbie, stand up, stand up. You know what's really cool? Man, this is so neat. In our first service, Janice Burns was the one, last one standing, Mel and Janice Burns. Janice has been a part of our church for 57 years. And I look back here, Janice is our office manager. She works in our church. And I look back here and say, Faye Wisdom and Debbie Craig, and both of you work at our church as well. So you really see. You've been in Bob's office. You've been in my office now when things aren't good. And the fact that you would stay faithful for 50 plus years at Antioch. Listen, here's what I believe. When you stand before God someday, your rewards will be great because you didn't need the stage, right? You, this, you, both of you are gonna hate me for the rest of this week because I'm having you stand and I'm talking to you like this. But you are loved and you are cherished. And great will your rewards, because I believe when you stand before the Lord, he's gonna say to you, well done, good and faithful servants. It's an honor to be one of your pastors, amen. So I'm so grateful, I hope you know that church, I'm so grateful for our past, as we should be. But there's a danger with the past. And the danger with the past is this, we can get stuck there. Right? 59 years of faithful gospel ministry and we can get stuck in the past that the best days, the good old days, right, were behind us. As I was talking with the team and the things you're gonna to hear today have really been birthed out of our season of prayer and fasting that we did at the end of the year last year and talking with our pastoral team and our deacon team. And Pastor Todd knew this message was coming and he was working through the book of Revelation through a study guide. And in that study guide, it had some quotes about dying churches. And he took a picture of them and he sent it to me and just said, hey, this may be helpful for you and your prep for your message. And I wanted to share one of the quotes that he sent me, which was why churches die and what are the signs that a church may begin and may be dying. And it's a list here and I'm going to read through the list because I think it's a warning for us, but I, I particularly want you to hear the last one, the number one reason why churches die. The, the bottom one was obsessing over the facilities. The other one is having no clear purpose or vision. Failing to have regular and corporate prayer time. 
seeing the tenure of the pastors decreasing, letting the church become preference-driven out of selfishness and personal agendas, allowing the great commission to become the great omission, moving the focus of our budget inward, refusing to adapt to the needs of the present community. And then the number one reason that churches begin to die is because they treat the past as the hero. They treat the past as the hero. Here's what I would say. We must remember the past with a grateful heart, but we must know that God is not finished with Antioch Bible Baptist Church, right? Amen. He is still writing our story. And so I think if we believe that, that yes, we're grateful for the past and for all those, we're grateful for those 17 people that in Brother Joe's house had the faith to say, we're gonna be a part of this church family. And then years later would have the faith to say, let's buy this piece of land and let's build a church there. As we build on that, we must remember why we exist before we get to where we are going. So why do we exist as a church. I want you to read these verses because they help us know why we exist. Psalms 115 verse 1, read it out loud with me. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give the glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So I want you to notice, not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give what? Glory. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Say it with me. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What are we to do all for? The glory of God. Why do we exist as a church? We exist at the core to glorify God. If you peel back everything that we do at Antioch, all the layers of programs, all the layers of finances, all the layers of serving, all the layers of our pastoral team, at the heart of it is glorifying God. This is why we exist, to magnify him, to make much of God. We exist to deflect the praise from us to God. We are to be not like a microscope that takes something small and makes it big. We are to be like a telescope that takes something massive and it brings it into focus. And so everything that we do at Antioch is to magnify, it's to bring God into focus. And so why do Ladies, week after week, hold babies in the nursery that are crying, right? That can't be settled. Why do they do that? They do that at the core for the glory of God. 
They do it to magnify God. So as they're holding your crying baby, right, and they're consoling them and loving them, they're doing that not so that they can get rewards from God necessarily or so that they can earn favor with God. They are doing it to glorify God, to magnify God. Why do week after week we have hundreds of volunteers that gather in our kids' center and teach our kids? Why? So that they will see the glory of God, so that they will glorify God. Why do we have student ministry that meets week after week and, and 20, I think 50 student ministry leaders that invest in the life of our students? Why? They do it for the glory of God. Why do we have Antioch groups, 35 Antioch groups that meet throughout the week? They meet to glorify God. Why do we stand up and sing on a Sunday and have a talking head on the stage? We do that to glorify God. We want it to deflect the praise to him. As our community looks at our church, we should be that telescope that is pointing them to the glory of God. It is magnifying God. It is making much of God through our church. The Heidelberg Catechisms from the 1500s, which was basically a way that they would disciple their people, is it would be they would catechize them, ask a question, you would answer the question. And they would start with this, what is the chief end of man? And they would say this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What is the chief end of our church? The chief end of our church is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is why we exist to glorify God. How do we seek to glorify God then through our church? I think it's found in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Read this with me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' final words to his disciples before he will ascend back into heaven. These are Jesus' final words for us today. This is what we refer to as the great commission. How do we glorify God? We live out these verses. We make disciples. We put it this way at Antioch in our vision statement. Our desire as a church is to lead generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. Say that with me. Leading generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ every. This is how we seek to glorify God. This is how we seek to make much of God, to lead generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. I believe in our vision statement, there is three components of it and one focus. The first component is leading generations. We desire at Antioch to be a multi-generational church. So we didn't just choose the word generations because we thought that's a cute word in a vision statement. We chose that word specifically because we believe we desire to be, and the way we best represent Christ to the world is being a multi-generational church. Because Psalms 145 and verse four says this, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. 
We wanna be a multi-generational church so one generation can be declaring to the next generation the wonderful works of God. I believe if we're a multi-generational church, we not only best reflect God's family, but we best reflect how our families work, how God designed us in the garden to work. I, I was thinking about last Sunday after Easter, my family and I jumped in the van and Ruth drove and I took a nap and we headed up to Topeka and to have Easter uh, dinner or Easter lunch with my family. And it was fun to be with my family. We try to do this once, once a month, but one of the reasons I love being with my family is that it's multi-generational. And when I come in the house, I've got my dad and my mom, and then I have my oldest brother, Mark. And Mark has his oldest son, Matthew, there. And Matthew has his oldest son, Finnegan, there. And so one of the beauties for me when I gather with my family is I watch my dad hold his great-grandkid. And there's something really special about seeing Finnegan, Finn is what we call him, run up to great-grandpa and hug him and play with him, right? And get down and do blocks together and go out in the backyard and hit, hit wiffle ball together. There's something beautiful about multi-generational and I believe this is the way God has designed the church to work. That the older generation, doesn't Titus talk about this? Would declare to the younger generation. The older men would declare to the younger men. The older women would declare to the younger women. We desired Antioch to be a multi-generational church. So by God's grace, we want to reach the young at hearts and we want to reach the babies. Amen? By God's grace, we want to span the whole horizon. We want to put as much energy into our kids' ministry as we put into our young at heart ministry. And I would warn you, if you're trying to look for a church and you go into a church and everybody is the same age as you, buyer beware. That's not how God designed the church to work. We commend his greatness to the next generation. And so by God's grace, we want to be a church that has new hair and gray hair. Amen. We want to be a church that leads multiple generations. That's one component. The second component is to make disciples. We desire to make disciples of Jesus Christ. A disciple is one who is learning to love and live like Jesus and inviting others to do the same. Discipleship in our church is not about information. Discipleship is about transformation. In the early church, when Paul is, or Peter is preaching at Pentecost and he's given this great message on the gospel at Pentecost. Look at what the people do with the information that has been given to them. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You've given us the gospel. You've given us this information about Jesus. What are we to do with it? 
And Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all that are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Discipleship took the information and it led to transformation and 3,000 souls were transformed by the gospel that day. Have you been transformed by the gospel? Is it just a head knowledge for you? Maybe there could be somebody in sitting in this room today that you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's all head knowledge, but it hasn't led to the transformation of your life. You see, we talked about this on Easter, but Jesus says, I am the resurrection, our future hope, but I am also the life. Jesus is our savior, but he's also our Lord. And when he takes control of our life, it transforms how we live our life. So listen to me. If you're sitting in this room and you say, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's me, that I would be considered a disciple of Jesus Christ. Can I, can I just for a minute give you the gospel? Here's the gospel in four different terms. There's bad news. The bad news is this. The Bible says that we're dead in our sins. We're all sinners and separated from God. Here's the worst news. The worst news is there's nothing that you can do to be made right with God. Isn't that horrible news? It's bad that we're separated from God, but it even gets worse that there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to be right with God. But the good news, the good news is this, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The good news is this, that God demonstrated his love towards you and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. That's good news. That Jesus came and lived the life that you couldn't live. Jesus died the death that you deserve to die. And Jesus did something that you could never do. He came back to life, conquering death, conquering the devil, and conquering your sin. And you know what is even better news? The Bible says this in Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be rescued. <laughs> And so right where you sit today, this bad news can go to great news if you will simply call on the Lord and say, you are right. I am separated from you because of my sin. And I believe that Jesus died in my place and lived the life that I couldn't live and rose for, my, for, for me to have a right relationship with you. And I receive that. I take that for myself. And you can become a child of God. And you can become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I would invite you right where you're sitting to do that. This is what it means to make disciples. Then the third component is everywhere. We desire to do this everywhere. At one, God, good grief, ugh, keep crying, stop. We desire to do this everywhere. At 13506 Lethus Court, 
at 800 Northeast 72nd Street in Indian Hills, Colorado, in Cusco, Peru, in Germany, in the Philippines, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8 says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It starts at our home. It goes to our church and it goes to the ends of the earth. Three components, one focus. The one focus of our vision is Jesus Christ. He is the goal. He is our aim. We can do a lot of things right, but if we miss Jesus, we've missed the mark. Here's how Paul put it to the church at Colossae when he said this, Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And Jesus is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And listen, and Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on the earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, you and me, we who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of, of the flesh by his death in order to present you and I holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I Paul became a minister he is to have preeminence in our church he is the focus of our vision so why do we exist? We exist to glorify God by leading generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. Now, where are we going? Let me make a few clarifying remarks. And I'm gonna try to do this in five minutes, all right? I got in trouble last time. I, I feel bad. I wrote an apology note after a couple of messages ago because I was so late. So I'm going to get to it here. A few clarifying remarks and then I'll talk about our vision. What I'm about to say, I say with the heart of this, if the Lord wills. What I'm about to share with you is not, this is going to happen and you're going to watch it happen, right? And you're going to be a part of it. Now suck it up, right? Like that's not the heart. The heart behind these goals is if the Lord wills. I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is the head of this church. I don't control, yeah, you can say that louder, amen, right? I like to hear that amen with that statement. I, I simply submit and we as pastors submit to his leadership in our lives. And so I, I can't read the future and so I say this, all these goals with if the Lord wills, and I secondly say it by the grace of God. 
We're not doing this for the grace of God so that he will somehow look on our church with more grace than he would look on to another church with grace. No, no, no. We're setting these goals as a means to say we can only accomplish them if the grace of God works in and through our lives. If he chooses, it's by the grace of God. As we as pastors and deacons in our church talk through these, we talked about the idea that we desired these goals to be multi-generational and multi-ministry. What that means is we want a kid in our kids' ministry to be able to reach some of these goals and be a part of fulfilling these goals, as well as, again, our older saints in the church, right? We want it to be multi-generational. We want it to be multi-ministry. Multi-ministry means I want the kids' ministry, our student ministry, our Antioch group's ministries, right? All of our ministries can be a part of helping reach these goals. We wanted them to be that way. And then I want you to know this is a season. So I put the year seven-year goals is what I put from 2023 to 2030. I'd like to see God do this. I think seasons are wise because life runs in seasons, You can have 19 kids and counting and only be in a season of babies for a while, right? Eventually, that baby season is going to go away. So I think it's wise for our church to run in seasons. We've all been through different seasons of our lives, right? And I think it's wise for us to think in that way rather than thinking for the next 500 years. Okay, like really not gonna be here for another 500 years. So let's think in in seasons as a way to say we can focus in on these goals for this season. Uh, I, as you study scripture, you see God created the world in six days and I don't get into numbers, but and on the seventh day he rested. If you read the Old Testament, God said, Work the land for six years, and on the seventh year, let the land rest, right? There was purpose behind this idea of resting. So a sub-desire of mine is I would love to see if God would be kind and let it happen, we would fulfill these goals in six years. And then as a church, on a seventh year, we could take a Sabbath, and the Sabbath being we could rest and remember and renew the vision that God would have for us for the next seven years of ministry here at Antioch. So I wanted to clarify with some of those terms and and my heart behind it. So here are the seven year goals that we as a pastoral team and as a leadership team in our church have come up with and desire for our church to lead. The first goal is to see 500 baptisms over the next seven years. We would love to see God use our church to see 500 people take that initial step of faith after salvation and be baptized. Think about it in this way. We have a membership of around a thousand people. If only half of us said, over the next seven years, we're gonna get serious about evangelism and discipleship. And by God's grace, we're gonna pray that God will bring one person in our life that we could share our faith with, that we could then begin to disciple, and then we could begin to lead them to take that first step of faith. It would only be half of our church I believe that God can do this. If we all just got serious about evangelism, if we got serious about the fact that where God has placed us at is not by accident. The school that you go to, the college that you're in, the the gyms that you hang out in, the coffee shops that you go to, the places that you work, God has placed you there strategically so that you can be a witness for him. 
And if only half of us in the church just said, we're gonna get serious about that, I believe that God could do this. Number two, our desire is to see 3,096 people go through growing in Christ material. Now, how did I come up with 3,096 people? Just sort of random numbers were falling and there's smoke in the room and it was written. No, it wasn't that way at all, all right? How did we come up with this? We have a membership of about, I think, uh, 1,029, I believe. And so here's the goal, that everybody would, who's a member of Antioch would go through this booklet called Growing in Christ. It's a 13-week course. And we would go through it and memorize scripture together and be in the word together. And then we, if we say we believe Matthew 28, 19, we're to make disciples, then here's what we do. Every member plus two people. So every member of Antioch would not only go through the material themselves, but then take two people through that material as a way to be making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that would lead us to this 3,096 people. So me as a member going through that material and I'm going to lead our staff through this material in the fall. And then my expectation is that our staff will then identify in their life two people that they can take. Maybe for you, it starts in your family and you go through it with your spouse and then you take your kids through it, right? This is disciple making. And I know some people will be like, well, that material's too shallow for me or whatnot. And here's the point. The point is not the material. Although I think this is really good stuff. I think the point is we're making disciples, that God hasn't called us as a church family just to consume. God's called us to take what we've been given and give it back. That what we've been taught, we're to teach other men, teach other women. And so I think this is a means to that end. The third goal is to send out three pastors and missionaries or slash missionaries from our church over the next seven years. The health of our church will not be measured in our growing seating capacity. The health of our church will be measured by our holding people with open hands to send them out. And by God's grace, we've already hit this goal with Pastor Marcus. Amen? Isn't that exciting? So church, we can already check off. Now it's actually, we're going to send out two over the next seven years because Pastor Marcus, as we've been talking behind the scenes, I told him, I'm so excited to announce these goals and say, you are the first pastor that we are sending out from our church to take the gospel to Indian Hills. So that's our goal there. The fourth goal is to establish an Antioch leadership program to raise up future leaders for Antioch and for reaching the world. If we are going to be a church that is around 59 more years from now, we must be raising up the next generation of leaders. And that's what this program is for. Here's what I want you to just a little peek into my heart. This is my succession plan at Antioch. If God continues to allow our church to exist, I know that I will not be the last pastor at Antioch. Pastor Bob, will not be the last pastor at Antioch. Pastor Todd will not be the last pastor at Antioch. Pastor Clint will not be the last pastor at Antioch. And I could go from deacons to, to kids ministry leaders to student ministry leaders. We will not be the last generation. And so we as a church must be looking to the next generation and saying, how can we raise up people 
to take our places. Because I, I believe that it could be possible that the next senior pastor at Antioch is sitting in our kids' ministry today. And I think it is wise for us as pastors to think that way. My job is temporary here. I will not live forever, FYI, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And so we must be raising up the next generation of leaders. My desire would to see over seven years, a hundred future leaders of Antioch go through this program. Number five, I would love to see our church give $3 million to world and local missions through faith promise giving. You are such a generous church. So I would love to see our giving advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. And right now we as a church give around $350,000 a year to world missions, to global missions around the world. For us to do this in seven years, we would have to do $428,571 or $428,571 per year for the next seven years. But I believe as a church, we can do that to the end of advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. That we are simply just a passageway through which God could bring money in and we could send it to those around the world. Number six, I'd love for us to adopt one community project a year to pour our church's time, talent, and treasure into. One of the things that we're really good at at Antioch is we invest in a lot of ministries in our community financially. And what I'd like to see us do is over the next seven years, we take one ministry, local ministry, like Resource Health or Brothers in Blue Reentry or other ministries, Refuge KC, and we just say for one year, we're going to really focus. We're going to continue to support other ministries, but for one year, we're going to really focus on this one ministry. And we're going to invest extra time, extra talent, and extra of our money into this ministry as a means to encourage them. And then the last is I would love for our church to pay off the Kids Center. At this moment, we owe $2.8 million on the Kids Center. And I would love to see over the next seven years that by God's grace and because of your faithful giving, we would pay that off. Our finance team is already working behind the scenes to try to figure out how we can adjust our budget to that end to begin to put more money towards our kids center lobby to get it paid off. And I believe that with your generous giving and the finance team and their work, we'll be able to pay off the kids center because here's the deal. If we wanna dream about what God has for us at this location in the future, or we own 66 acres of land up on Woodland and Cook Cookingham, I think the wise thing for us to do before we start dreaming about what God could do here or God could do up there, I think a wise thing for us to do would be to pay off the kids' center lobby. So these are our seven goals for the next seven years that by God's grace, we desire to see him do. And here's, the, here's my heart. My heart is Psalms 115 and verse one. Not to us, not to us, Lord, but to your name be the glory. Father, you know my heart and I've tried to share that. These goals do not define us as a church. But we do say if the Lord wills, like if, if, if this is your plan, if you would be so kind as to do these things through us, then it's to your glory. 
But I would say this, Lord, and you know my heart. If you have a whole nother plan, if, if not one of these goals were to be the thing that you would desire for our church, then I want you to know we as a pastoral team submit ourselves to your leadership and we'll say the same thing, not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.